At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. It's the most common type of cancer in the country, and it may make you think twice before having fun in the sun. On this episode of Baptist Health Talk. Hello, Baptist Health Talk podcast listeners. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco. I'm a practicing preventive cardiologist and lipidologist at the Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute at Baptist Health South Florida, as well as the Chief Population Health Officer at Baptist Health. When we talk about people's health concerns, cancer is always high on the list. You might be surprised to learn that the most common type of cancer is not lung cancer, breast cancer, or colon cancer, it's skin cancer. More than 9,000 people are diagnosed with skin cancer every day in the United States of America. Today, I'm pleased to welcome dermatologist Dr. Jill Weibel, the medical director of the Multidisciplinary Skin Cancer Clinic at the Miami Cancer Institute. Welcome to the podcast, Jill. Uh, good morning, and thank you, Dr. Fialco. Pleasure to be here today. Jill, we've known each other for a while. Please call me John. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, Jill, it's, it, it's well known that you know, sun exposure is a risk factor for developing skin cancer. We do live in the sunshine state, and now in this COVID-19 environment, we're specifically recommending people to go outside, both for the physical and psychological benefit. Let's start the conversation about the sun. What are the sun's effects on our skin, and then certainly how that pertains to skin cancer? So as you mentioned, skin cancer is the number one cancer in the human body. As a matter of fact, there are more skin cancers in the United States diagnosed here than all other cancers combined. Number one uh, cause is, pro is sun. And what happens is that ultraviolet radiation changes our DNA and creates um, de defects that will then enter into cancer. Now, you know, is sun good for you? I, you'll be surprised to hear a dermatologist say this, but I actually think sun has a lot of health benefits. We also know that here in South Florida, we have one of the longest life expectancies in the United States. Naples and Miami live the longest. So I think it's all about common sense, prevention, and we can get into that as well. So sun affects the um, skin, potentially in a negative capacity, but you're recognizing there are benefits of being in the sun as well. So we don't want people to just necessarily be recluses to prevent skin cancer. But as you said, there are preventive benefits, there are preventive things we can do to protect ourselves. So, so what should that vigilance be? What should people think when they're going to head outside or have the sun exposure? And again, South Florida and then the world in general. So, you know, the first thing we tell everyone is sun protection. You know, we want, and you as a cardiologist, want people out there running for an hour. What, what dermatologists don't want, we don't want you to go to the beach from eight till five, laying out and frying. That is very unhealthy. Um, so sun protective clothing, sun protection, sunscreens, um, physical blocks, we'll get into that. Zinc and titanium, we want to reapply every two hours. There's no such thing as water resistance. So if you go swimming or in the pool, you need to come out and protect wear hats, wear sunglasses, great UPF protective clothing these days. Then there's also a population of people who work outside. You know, we have a lot of people that are work for FPNL or migrant workers, our lifeguards. That's a little bit of a different strategy. Those patients, we want to get into Miami Cancer Institute. We want to be doing um, more preventative exams. We want to start them on Retin-A. We want to, there's um, treatments such as photodynamic therapy, which actually prevents 80% of future skin cancer. Um, there's antioxidants, both healthy eating, as well as um, some things you can apply to your skin to help prevent that breakdown of the DNA and causing cancer. 
So lots of great things we can do to prevent skin cancer. So we'll talk about a couple of populations, but let's start with that, as you may, as you may have alluded to, the, the, what we can call the high-risk population, people who are working outdoors on a regular basis. Um, again, recommendations both in terms of their protection. You went through things. These are people who should be screened. They should be coming to Miami Cancer Institute, or what would be the direct recommendation you would have to someone who's like working as, um, um, as part of their occupation? Yeah, so it's been a struggle nationally as a board-certified dermatologist. We actually don't have national guidelines for skin cancer screenings. However, we tend to recommend starting at the age of 40. If you don't have a significant family history of melanoma or you haven't had skin cancer, we recommend people at the age of 40 start to come to the Miami Cancer Institute or your board-certified dermatologist to do a skin cancer screening where we literally look from head to toe and you need to make sure that exam encompasses looking in your mouth, looking in your scalp, looking in between your bottom, uh, it's not pleasant, looking in your toes because melanoma doesn't just happen in sun exposed places. And of course, we're also looking for basal cells, squamous cells. So once a year for the average patient. Now, once a year at the age of 40. 40, unless you have had a skin cancer personally, and then we see you, if you have a skin cancer when you're 25, which is unusual, um, we would want to see you every year then. The other exception is, you know, that there's a lot of genetic um, tests and syndromes out there, you know, that there's basal cell nevus syndrome. There's things that people have in their families that put them at higher risk. There's starting to be some research emerging that uh, women that get breast cancer with BRCA2 might be associated with melanoma. So we definitely have populations that we identify that we want to see more commonly. Um, transplant patients, big one. Um, transplant patients die, number one cause of squamous cell because they're on immunosuppressed medications. So whether you've had a heart transplant, a kidney transplant, a bone marrow transplant, we need to see those patients every six months. And again, we have procedures to prevent skin cancer. So lots of high-risk populations you've alluded to, but even the average person over the age of 40 should be aware and have that level of surveillance specifically with a board-certified dermatologist, Miami Cancer Institute techn techniques as well. Um, how about now um, sticking with um, screening and prevention, if you will, um, what kind of things would you recommend to a parent um, to, to um, get, develop good habits for their children and, and you know, good protective things early in life? Good topic. So the first thing I tell people is six months or younger, no sun. Um, fetal and, and infants have very, very thin skin, so they can get sunburned very quickly, and it actually can cause a lot of damage. Um, early sunburns in childhood are a marker for melanoma. So if you have a baby, keep them out of the sun. You know, now once they get a little older, one, two, and you're going to go put them in a baby pool or swimming, get them on protective clothing, get the hats on them. Again, their skin has not seen sun and they are at higher risk for sunburn. And then for your more active, your, your you know, young children, your teenagers, sunscreen, uh, we're way behind Australia. I've lectured in Australia seven time, several times. In the Australian schools, they have all their sporting events are covered. Um, they have to wear hats that protect uh, 360 degrees around the, the kids. If they don't apply sunscreen or protective clothing, the, the parents are fine financially. So I really do feel like in the United States, oh, we do yeah. need to be better. Uh, here in South Florida, you know, our kids are out in the sun, you know, yeah. for hours a day. So it's a tough one. And, and if you're fair, um, redheads, but even our Latin populations have had triple increases in melanoma in the last three decades. 
So definitely an opportunity for more public health uh, awareness and, and involvement. Um, the average person say, I, I, don't just, I just walked to my car and from my parking lot to the office and back, anything I should be concerned with and my normal daily activities if I'm not getting significant um, sun exposure in my work? Uh, yes, uh, great question again. So most people don't realize that the UVA rays, which are the most damaging, come right through your car window and right through windows. And we have sort of this famous picture in dermatology of a 85 year old seamstress. And she sat by a window for 60 years sewing and her side by the window is wrinkled and has about five skin cancers and her other cheek looks like a 20 year old. And she was from Germany, I think. Um, So we really have to understand that just the transient sun, your car window, your windows, um, you're not safe from the sun at all. And so you've got to keep up that protection. So facial sunscreen and maybe on your arms and hands would be something that people should basically be doing every day if they plan to leave their house. Yeah, sun exposed areas and sunny places or snowy places. That's another one that reflects um, a lot of sun. And um, also remember that shirts, people are always like, oh, I'm covered. A regular white t-shirt only has a sun protective factor of two, which is you might as well be walking around without a shirt. So you've got to make sure if you're in the sun going to a game and, um, you know, spending, going to the boat, you want to really have a preparation plan in mind. But we want you to enjoy life. We want people to be out exercising, having a great time. It's just common sense goes a long way. So proper precautions starting at a young age, um, over 40 regular screenings, high risk populations, those working outside, those with family histories of skin cancer, those who've had an early skin cancer, and maybe some other medical conditions which might be associated like immunosuppressant therapies or certain breast cancers, broad population out there who might who would be at risk of skin cancer, I guess, which is consistent with the, the frequency and the prevalence of skin cancer. Um, let's talk a little bit about sunscreens, then we'll get into a little bit more uh, medical science about the different kinds of cancer cancers, and then what, what the great work you're leading at the Miami Cancer Institute. So what would be recommendations for, for sunscreens? What should people look for in sunscreens? Um, again, broad topic. I'm sure you'll, you'll, you'll simplify it for us. <laughs> so a lot going on uh, in sunscreens in 2020. So um, uh, last fall, the FDA issued a pretty strong warning Uh, based on some clinical trials done that chemical sunscreens and and things with oxybenzone, avobenzene, these names you don't necessarily have to remember, but there's an absorption threshold that they consider safe at the FDA. And again, nobody needs to know this, but it's 0.5 nanograms per milliliter. They took, they had several studies where they took healthy volunteers and put them in a house for two weeks and they had them apply sunscreen with chemicals three times a day. And then they did a series of blood draws and Scarily, what we found was that there were toxic levels of these chemicals in the blood. And, you know, this is very relevant because, um, you know, we know that migrant workers that pick um, oranges that have pesticides and fertilizers and chemicals have a much higher rate of leukemias and lymphomas and other cancers. So any chemical exposures, as we're learning every day, are probably not a healthy thing for the human body, which is why, you know, we try to be as organic as possible most of the time. So the FDA is doing more studies, but at this point, um, most dermatologists are recommending physical sunscreen. So those ingredients are either zinc or titanium dioxide. And you want to, it needs to say physical block. And those do not penetrate through your skin. They actually stay on top of your skin and reflect the sunlight. 
And, and so this is a very big emerging story to keep people healthier and safer. Well, you know, well, you know, I'm going to go right out and check my sunscreens um, um, after this and check the ingredients. Although I guess I think I'm safe because it's the thick white stuff that kind of leaves you know, <laughs> an impression. I mean, is that bad? <laughs> and for a lot of the women out there, you know, there's sun protective things that you can do. You know, we have our number one selling product is a compact that has makeup that's actually a wonderful sun protection. Yeah. So we try to simplify life. But yes, you should not be looking all white and pasty. That that is that is good news. But again, the zinc, the titanium, the physical barriers, as you're saying, those are the ones we want to look for. And again, the goal of the podcast is to bring information and resources, not to scare people. So certainly, that's something uh, they they could look to. So you know, we use the term skin cancer. It's broad. There are different kinds of skin cancers. Um, if you could speak to again um, the different kinds of the more common skin cancers and what the differences are, both in terms of um, uh, prognosis and the treatments. Okay, so I'm going to do the big three, we call them. So the, the most common cancer in the human body is the basal cell carcinoma. Basal cell is almost completely due to ultraviolet radiation, sun, and tanning beds. Um, basal cells are uh, probably the best cancer to get, if you can say that, because they're easily treated. They're easily preventable. Um, the cure rate is in the high 90s. Uh, very few people will ever die from basal cell, although it has happened. Uh, basal cells are red and bleedy. So I always tell patients, if you have a growth more than one month that's growing, changing, bleeding, burning, or itching, you want to go to MCI to see a dermatologist because that's a real danger sign. And, and basal cells are real, we call it friable. Like they're real, they break down, they bleed, they, people don't tend to miss those, but they're flesh colored or red. They're pink. They're not um, a brown color. Second most common cancer is squamous cell. Now our listeners might be going, wow, I've heard squamous cell. Squamous cell can happen for many different organs. So there's a squamous cell in the lung, but the skin squamous cell is somewhat more dangerous on the head and neck. Um, if it's not treated, there can be about a 7% death rate of head and neck squamous cell. And there's certain areas that we are very concerned about, like the lip, the ear, that you can have a higher rate of the, of the cancer spreading. Um, squamous cell also has a high uh, likelihood due to uh, sun, but there's other things that can affect squamous cell. If anyone's had radiation for treatment of cancer, it can actually make you a little more prone to squamous cell. Burn patients, trauma areas are a little more prone, and then people on immunosuppressed medications for any disease, whether it's lupus, whether it's transplant, um, those patients have a higher rate of squamous cell. Easily preventable, easily treated. Again, early detection is the name of the game. Now, the deadliest skin cancer is malignant melanoma. Malignant melanoma happens when a mole turns into cancer. 50% of melanomas come from a mole people have had on their body their whole life. So I have a lot of patients that come in, they'll be like, I've had this my whole life. And I'll be like, well, that's melanoma. If it's changing, if, and we'll talk about the ABCDs in a minute. But, it, let me just interrupt. It's 50% of melanomas come from a mole you've had your whole life. Is that yes. what you're saying? Okay. And the other 50% show up de novo. Like you wake up one day and boom, a new mole. That's a bad sign. You get moles from the time you're born until you're 40. So if you're over the, again, that magic age of 40 in dermatology and you get a new brown spot, that's a little more concerning than if you get a new mole when you're 20. Now there's other fun things you get that I call wisdom spots, but you know, if you're 55 and wake up with a really black um, mole, that could be a melanoma. So the key to all three remain early detection and early assessment and early treatment. Is that fair to say? 
That is 100% true. We have a higher survival. The earlier detected, the, the higher survival. And less morbidities, smaller surgeries, easier cures. Okay. So now let's talk about the great stuff that's being done at um, the Miami Cancer Institute's multidisciplinary skin cancer clinic. Um, Tell us a little bit about some of the advanced technologies that are available at the Miami Cancer Institute. Um, Well, MCI is one of my favorite, um, you know, it's an honor to be part of MCI's cancer multidisciplinary clinic. And we have eight physicians uh, that span from surgical oncologists to radiation oncologists to medical oncologists to dermatologists. And we all work together we literally spend about four hours per patient from prep to seeing the patient together to discussing the patient and making a plan. So um, Miami Cancer Institute is the only place that I know of in the world that has three cutting edge imaging technologies to detect skin cancer. The first one is called the Vector 360. Uh, This is an imaging device where you step into a 92 camera device and it takes photos of every part of your body and it can detect cancers that, and melanomas that we can't see with the human eye. It creates an avatar. Do you remember the movie Avatar? We literally create an avatar of you and we can hone in and, and analyze. I can type in, put moles from the biggest to the smallest and I get a, a, a printout on the screen and I can press that mole and it will go to that mole on your arm and I can then go look at your arm a little closer, make sure I didn't miss anything. I found a patient on an eyelid cancer, a basal cell on an eyelid that I couldn't see visibly, but the Vectra picked up. So the Vectra, there's about four in the United States right now. There's about 18 in the world. Um, It's a wonderful early detection tool. It's used for people that are high risk. If you've had more than five cancers, if you've had melanoma, Uh, Dr. Brad Gilley works side by side with me at MCI. We have found lots of melanomas or moderate to severely dysplastic moles and prevented melanomas or treated them early. So that device has been absolutely a game changer and um, it's great for everyone to go and get a check there. Now the two other devices we have, and again, I think we're the only center in the world that has all three of these. We have an optical coherence tomography device. OCT, you might've had done at your ophthalmologist um, if they ever take a picture and you can see the different levels of your retina. The OCT is, a, is one of my areas of expertise and one of my favorite tools. You can do a 30-second bedside. It's like an ultrasound, but no gel. You just apply a probe to the skin, and you can see right then and there, basal cell, squamous cell, um, some melanomas without a biopsy. And not only has this been a game changer for diagnosis, but we work closely with the radiation oncologist, and we mark out the area and tell them how deep to go and one of the emerging things that we're working with our oncology colleagues is we think perhaps we're putting the radiation too deep because a lot of these basal cells don't go very deep in the skin, but the radiation is penetrating deeper, so possibly more side effects. So we're really learning a lot. And then the third technology is called reflectance uh, confocal microscopy, and that you can literally diagnose a melanoma and map out the margins of a basal or squamous. So the surgeons come into the room and we mark out the cancer and then they go and use those margins for surgery and we're increasing our accuracy. So we have all these, you know, it's an artificial intelligence world out there and we're using these imaging for patient care and we're really pushing treatments forward. 
So that seems to what really separates the approach that you and your colleagues take in this multidisciplinary approach in the technology. I guess it's very unusual to have all these technologies in one place, no less have them at all. And I guess the benefit to the patient as well is not just the detection, but um, the least um, the, 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 the treatment, which would have the least side effects or negative consequences, um, which, as you said, radiation therapy, um, surgery, um, other uh, therapies that are being done for skin cancer that's kind of innovative at the Miami Cancer Institute? Yeah, we have, a you know, and, and of course, you know, all, not all of these are for every patient, but we often, as you know, have to get creative in medicine. So there's new immunotherapies and we have, you know, one of the best immunotherapy, Dr. Rabinovitz came from Harvard and he's brilliant. So we now have immunotherapies like pembrolizumab for melanomas for our, you know, our stage three and above. So we've got uh, systemic therapies for squamous and basal cells. So now there's a pill you can take if you have an inoperable or a metastatic. Uh, we didn't have those even five years ago. Um, I do some technologies with lasers, uh, laser-assisted delivery of chemotherapy. When we have patients that have 30 or 40 cancers, I use a laser and then we put uh, different chemotherapies down those uh, channels. Sometimes some of us team together and we're doing multiple therapies on patients, but you know we really um, work hard for every single patient and especially for the complicated cancer patients or high risk to come up with, with very good solutions uh, for, for each patient that are both cure their cancer number one, but we also are very cognizant of cosmetic, uh, trying to keep the best cosmetic outcomes as possible. So in a sense, unfortunate that there's a great need for these services because of the, um, the prevalence of skin cancer in our country, um, but it's, it's reassuring to know we have these uh, means of detection and treatments for those that would benefit from it. And let's not forget the preventive strategy starting at a young age, which I think we, uh, we, we pounded home <laughs> at the beginning of, of the podcast. Uh, quick promo, um, I understand you're presenting a virtual panel discussion about skin protection later this month. Can you, can you give us a little preview of what, what's going to be covered in that? And for the, for the listeners, we will have a registration link for that program in our, um, in our notes. Yes, absolutely. So we have uh, Dr. Ramon Jimenez, who's our wonderful surgical oncologist, and Dr. Bragioli, uh, my partner in crime dermatologist. And we um, are going through uh, skin cancer, what to look for, what, how to identify it, and then treatment options and prevention options. So a lot of what we talked about today, but we'll of course have the visuals to go along with it. And so it's great for the listeners, especially during these summer months to, to learn a little bit about skin cancer. Well, I look forward to having my family attend and I certainly will uh, watch it as well. Um, this is great, um, um, Jill. Fantastic information, very timely. Um, uh, again, especially um, everything can be related to the COVID-19 pandemic, which we recognize. But but again, the concern about people being outside, which we want them to do, the proper prevention and precautions can go a long way towards uh, decreasing their risks of problems down the road related to skin cancer. Um, anything um, anything you'd like to add or anything that, um, um, you know, anything we missed or anything you want to um, iterate uh, um, for the uh, for the listeners before we sign off? No, the only thing that I guess I would final is make sure that everyone over the age of 40 is getting a skin cancer screening. And we know that men actually die 10 years younger than women because they don't go to the doctor as frequent as women. So let's get those men in there. And uh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Everyone well, be Last I checked, I'm over 40, so I'll make my appointment. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Dr. Jill Weibel, the medical director of the Multidisciplinary Skin Cancer Clinic at Miami Cancer Institute. Thanks to our podcast listeners. As always, if you have any ideas, thoughts, requests for future topics, please email us at baptisthealthtalk 
at baptisthealth.net. Stay safe. Remember, skin protection. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.